0: The scripture reading this morning is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 through 16. We do, however, speak a message of wisdom among the mature, but not the wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. No, we declare God's wisdom a mystery that has been hidden and that God destined for our glory before time began. None of the rulers of this age understood it. For if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. However, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things God has revealed to us by his Spirit. The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. but in words taught by the Spirit, explaining spiritual realities with Spirit-taught words. The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. If the the person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments for who has known the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of christ this is the word of the lord Thanks,
1: God. good morning let me uh, let me give you the context of this passage before we dive into it We're studying the book of 1 Corinthians, which is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to a community of early Christians. And two weeks ago, we were in a passage in which the Apostle told his readers that the message of the cross is foolishness to the world. In other words, there's something about us, there's something about our fallen, broken human nature that finds the message about Jesus to be irrelevant or offensive or nonsensical. There's just something about us that, that doesn't mesh with that message. And the apostle would say that th- this is true regardless of our culture, regardless of our background, regardless of what century we happen to be born into. The, the, the message about the Son of God dying on the cross for sinners, just it sounds silly to sinful people like us and what a dilemma that is because the bible the bible tells us that eternal life with the father is only found through faith in the son and yet this is something that in ourselves we just we can't hear so that's that's the problem now in last week's passage the apostle told us that the solution to that problem is not To jazz up the message to try to make it more appealing remember he said this last week he said brothers and sisters when I came to you I did not come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed to you about the testimony about God my message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words so the apostle said listen people don't understand the the message but you know what It, it doesn't help to try to sound clever or try to look cool or try to you know market the message of Jesus in a way that will make it more appealing he said that's just not gonna work so that's where we are in 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 the book the problem is people don't understand the gospel the solution is not to try to make the message sound better so we ask what is the solution how will people ever come to embrace the message of salvation in Christ well says the Apostle in today's passage The solution is the Holy Spirit. The the Spirit of God works in in conjunction with the proclamation of the gospel. The Spirit of God works to open the hearts and minds of individuals so that they can see the beauty of Jesus and and they can acknowledge their need for him. The, The Holy Spirit does this. And so, in, in this passage, it's a pretty, it's a pretty a heady passage, but the apostle tells the Corinthians, he says, Guys, this is what happened to us. Verse 9 and 10, he says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. In other words, the deep truths of the gospel. He said, These are the things God has revealed to us. How? By his spirit. The same idea in verse 12. He says, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit who is from God. Why have we received the spirit from God? He says, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So he's, he's saying here in, in, this, uh, in this passage that God reveals the truth and the beauty of Jesus to people who otherwise would never get it. He reveals this through what you could only call a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit. God reveals Jesus through the Spirit's work. Now, what I want to do today is I want to just point out for us from this passage two aspects of, of this work that the Holy Spirit does in revealing Christ to us. Two aspects. And the first is this. The work of the Spirit Is essential. The work of of the Holy Spirit in revealing Christ to to us is essential. And you'll see that very clearly in verse 14. Um, Paul writes this The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness. I wonder if you have anybody in your life that when you talk to them about Jesus, they just give you this blank stare. like, what what in the world are you talking about? And you know, it's not because they're stupid. They might be very intelligent people. And, and it's not and maybe it's not even because you're doing a bad job explaining it. It just doesn't click. That's what Paul says here. He says, the person without the Spirit doesn't accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned. Only through the Spirit. So he's, he's saying, listen, unless and until God, in his kindness, sends the Holy Spirit to us, in ourselves we do not have a capacity to receive and to believe the truth about Christ. We just can't accept these things. They, 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 we might be able to uh, recite them, explain them, but really to embrace them is just kind of beyond what we're able to do. La- later in this book, Paul will return to that same thought. Chapter 12, verse 3, he says this. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Spirit. Now, I don't think he means no one can pronounce those words. You can say, Jesus is Lord. You can train a parrot to say, Jesus is Lord, right? But he's saying no one can really, from their heart, make this declaration of faith, unless what? Unless the Holy Spirit has come to them. That's interesting. So if you're in the place where you would say, you know, I'm, not, I'm certainly not the world's best Christian. I have lots of issues, but I can say, I trust Jesus. He's my Lord. That means the Holy Spirit has come to you and made that real for you. I, I have a, um, a friend who, when he was in high school, um, my friend's name is John. When John was in high school, he was... Um, really in a bad place as a teenager just very uh, reckless um, self-destructive patterns of behavior deeply involved in drugs and just wild living It's, it's a miracle he lived to graduate from high school and when he was in his early 20s John heard the gospel and God opened his heart and he embraced it by faith and his life was just radically transformed well years later when he's like in his 40s, he was back at his parents' house, kind of helping them move and looking through some stuff in the attic, and he found an old box of his notebooks from when he was in high school, during that very self-destructive season of his life, and he's looking through these old notebooks, and he finds his notebook from Western Civ class, Western Civilization, public high school in New Jersey. He opens it up, he's looking through things he wrote there, and he he sees this on one page. Protestant Reformation, Martin Luther. And then he sees, the just shall live by faith. Which is the verse from Romans that Martin Luther, it just to him opened up the gospel and just tra- changed the world. It's like the heart and soul of the gospel. And my friend was just almost with trembling, remembering how dark his life was at that moment. He said, that's my handwriting. I can't believe my hand wrote the gospel message. I probably got it. He's a smart guy. I probably got an A on the test. But I just couldn't. I couldn't receive it. I could explain it, but I couldn't receive it and until the Spirit came to me. Now, Jesus, Jesus taught that same idea. Jesus said in John 6, verse 44, he said, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them so this work of the holy spirit this is essential and i wonder if this is why i don't know if you've ever some of you read the book of acts in the book of acts is the the uh the, the record of the lives of the very first christians they were so passionate about sharing the message of christ with their world and i wonder if this is why if you read in acts i wonder if this is why they spent so much time in prayer You ever read the opening chapters of Acts? It's like every chapter is another prayer meeting. They're praying, they're praying, they're praying, they're praying. Why why in the world do they pray so much? I think they understood that all the preaching in the world will not do any good for anyone unless the Spirit works. Doesn't that kind of call us as a church to be in prayer? Every Sunday when we gather for worship or throughout the week be praying, Holy Spirit, will you take the preached word and will you make it living and active and life-changing? For us and for those, you know, whom God gathers to this church, we need to pray. Jim Cimbala, who's the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, he said this, proclamation and teaching are not enough. The gospel must be preached with the involvement of the Holy Spirit. So that this work of the Spirit is essential. Paul says in verse 10, these mysteries of God are revealed by the Spirit. So this, this is what brings people from a state of unbelief to a state of belief, it's the Holy Spirit. Now, um, the beautiful thing about that, by implication, is that that means that God is not limited in any way with regard to whom he can save. Look, would you look with me again at verse 14? Notice, verse 14, verse 14 does not say, the person without self-discipline does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God. So if you have a friend who you know, has an addictive personality or they struggle with impulse control issues, don't even bother telling them about, about Jesus. It won't help. No, it doesn't say that. It does not say that. Nor does it say, you know, the person who grew up in a dysfunctional family can't accept the things of the Spirit. So you know what? If you didn't have Christian parents, and they didn't have a solid marriage, and you didn't grow up in a a, a happy home where someone taught you the Bible at the breakfast table every day, you don't have a chance. It does not say that. It it doesn't say the the person who hasn't read the Bible cover to cover can't accept the things of the Spirit. No. It, It doesn't say that... The person who's naturally anxious or timid can't accept. No, it doesn't say that. It, it doesn't say the person who's confused about their sexual orientation can't receive the things of the Spirit. Does not say that. It doesn't say the person who once dabbled in the occult cannot receive the things of the Spirit. Does, listen, isn't that something? It doesn't say any of those things. All it says is, the person without the Spirit doesn't receive the things of the Spirit. And here's the good news. Do you know this? Our God can send His Spirit to whomever He wants, whenever He wants. There's nothing that ever holds Him back. Listen, you have never, ever seen anyone in this world whom God cannot save through the Holy Spirit. And if you were to ask the, the Apostle Paul that he'd say, yeah, look at me. You know the story of Paul. Paul. He hated Jesus. He hated Christians. He tried to kill Christians until God said, you know what? I'm sending my spirit to you. You're going to be mine. This is our God. Jesus said in uh, John chapter 3, what an intriguing verse. John 3 verse 8. He said, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. And then he said, so it is with everyone born of the spirit. So what he's saying is, listen. Just as you can't predict when the wind is going to blow or where the wind is going to blow, he said, in the same way, you cannot predict whom God will save next. You can't. Anyone, anywhere. God can say, "My word will now come alive for you through the Spirit." And it isn't that. Doesn't that give us so much hope, right? And it gives us humility. Because if he had not sent the wind to us, where would we be, right? But here, here's the point. This, this work of the Spirit is essential. It ought to move us to pray. It ought to move us to trust. Because, it listen, unless and until God sends the Spirit, no one believes. So that's one aspect of this work. The work, the work of the Spirit is essential. Second work I'll, I'll point out is that the work of the Spirit is relational. You could say it's personal. And here's what I mean. When the Holy Spirit opens one's heart to see the beauty of Christ and trust in him, this is not just an intellectual insight that they get. It's not like they have an aha moment or they have this kind of cognitive breakthrough. No, the, the, Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not like a tutor who's helping you to pass your, your algebra exam. No, listen, the Holy Spirit's work is not just intellectual. It's not even primarily intellectual. His work is relational. And he he doesn't just help you know about God. And isn't this mysterious? The Spirit allows you to know God in in a personal way. middle of verse 10, man, these words were challenging to me, trying to figure, what is this talking about? Middle of verse 10 says, The Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Verse 11, for who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Verse 12, what we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who's from God. So I think what this is saying is you never never really know a person until you get a glimpse of what's going on inside them. Would you agree with that? Like, in t- you might know what they look like and know their name, and know where they live, but in, you know, unless you kind of, they, they begin to reveal to you their thoughts and their dreams and their aspirations and who they are on the inside, you don't really know them. I mean, you could, we could conceive of somebody could come up right here to this microphone and perhaps recite all kinds of, all, all kinds of personal data about you. They could stand up here and just, they could tell us your height, your weight, the name of your parents, color of your eyes. They could tell us that when your birthday is, where you were born, if they had your, your vital statistics, they could tell us your blood pressure, your cholesterol levels, your, your standing heart rate. So somebody could give us all kinds of personal data about you, but not really know you. Would you agree with that? Like to know to know you relationally, they have to know these, can we call them deep things in you? So I think the point the Apostle's making is, like, guys, if that's true with finite human beings, how much more is this true with God? I mean, we, we could learn and memorize and then recite all kinds of theological data about God, right? You can stand up here and you can speak of God's aseity, God's eternity, God's holiness, God's, God's imminence. You could speak of God's immutability, God's... God's Im- impassibility, his impeccability, his incomprehensibility. You could talk of his omniscience, his omnipotence, his omnipresence. You could talk of his sovereignty, his triune nature. You could learn all these things on Wikipedia. That's where I got this list. <laughs> you can recite all kinds of doctrinal data about God, but not know God, not really know him. And guys, this is, this is mysterious, but this is where the work of the Spirit is so powerfully beautiful he it's like he introduces us to jesus introduces us to the father his work is relational that's why when the apostles would would pronounce a blessing on people the end of second corinthians they would say may may the grace of the lord jesus christ and the love of god and what the communion of the Holy Spirit, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the person of, in, in, the, in the Godhood whom we know personally. He, so he, he, does, he does more than just tell us facts about God. He, he allows us in, in, to know God. Verse 11 says, no one knows the thoughts of God except the Spirit. And then verse 12 says, and we've received the Spirit. Now that does not mean that we know God completely. How can finite Beings know completely, know an infinite being, right? But we do know God relationally, we know Him personally. Jesus, Jesus said this um, the night before he, he was to die on the cross in John 14 7, Jesus said this about the Holy Spirit. He said, The world, the world cannot accept the Spirit of truth because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him because he lives with you and will be in you. Amen. So Paul says, no, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, what no human mind has conceived, those things God has prepared for those who love him, these are the things he's revealed to us by his spirit. And so I wonder if this has happened to you, and I, I hope I'm not describing this with, with such um, enormity you, that you feel like I have to have had some kind of deep esoteric experience. No, no, that, I don't think that's what he's saying. I think he's just saying that if you've come to trust Jesus. And when you, when you, like we're doing today, when you worship Jesus, at times you just feel like, I'm, I'm not just saying facts that I learned and I'm not just going through motions that were taught to me. I, I really love him. I love him. The Holy Spirit did that for you. He came to you. Jesus, Jesus said in, in uh, John 10, he said, my sheep hear my voice they recognize my voice it's the spirit who just kind of opens our can you say spiritual ears to hear him does that happen to you so um on occasion we all know this on occasion babies will be born um with hearing impediments without some completely deaf no ability to hear sometimes medical science through um, cochlear implants or these really advanced hearing aids, sometimes doctors are able to give these children back, give them the gift of hearing. And if you've ever gone on YouTube, you can it's easy to find. You can find all kinds of videos that parents have recorded of their little children who've received these treatments hearing sound for the very first. Have you seen anything like that? For the first time, they're hearing. And uh, usually the first the first sound they hear is, is the, the sound of their parents' voice. Very heartwarming, moving uh, videos. So there's one that just gets me every time I see it. It's so powerful. Whoever was filming it was kind of filming from over the shoulder of this mother who's holding her little baby daughter in her lap. At the precise moment when this little girl, about one years old, she begins to hear. And the first sound this little child hears is the voice of her mother speaking to her i don't know if you've seen that initially this little baby has this look of shock on her face she's never she's never she's never had this sensation never experienced uh, audible hearing just kind of frightening and then as she looks into the face of her mom and she realizes this is coming from her mom the whole face just kind of transforms and it just glows i'm hearing her voice it's so po- it's just so powerful now I was watching that video the other day, and I realized this is the first time that little girl heard her mother's voice, but it's not the first time her mother was speaking to her. Right? Her whole life since she was born, you know how parents are, her mom has been holding her and rocking her and speaking lovingly to you, honey, I love you, I love you, you're so precious, you're my little girl, I love you more than the whole world. She's been speaking to her her whole life. It's not till that moment that she hears. And I don't know if this is crazy, but to me it seems kind of like a picture of the way the Spirit works. Maybe He's beginning to work in your life this way right now. Listen, do you realize that through the gospel, your whole life through the gospel, God has been telling you, I love you, I love you, I love you. Don't resist me, don't fear me, I love you. And I wonder if yet the Spirit has come to, that, to you in that moment where you say, now I hear. Now I hear. He's been saying this all these years. Now I hear. And if that's where you're at today, here's how you respond to that voice. You just trust Jesus. Just run to him. Trust in him. Amen. And let's praise God that he works that way. Would you pray with me? Father, we sang before that only through your power and only through your spirit can we ever know you. We thank you that you give the spirit in abundance. I, I pray for, for those of us, perhaps, perhaps we've heard your voice, we know your voice, but we have, it's grown dim. I pray that we would hear the power of the gospel in fresh ways today. And I pray for any who perhaps they have it's, they've never really heard you speak. God, would you speak to them today? In Christ's name, amen.